Well, come on, good morning, Go Church, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. It is such a joy to have you here at Go Church today. Do you feel good? You look good. Come on. A little Christmas blessing to be in the room together. Never take that for granted. It's a joy to have you at our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. And from this location, every Sunday, we have the honor and the privilege to live stream the message portion of our gathering to our West Side Atlantic campus an electric campus there on the City of Refuge property. So we greet all of you on the west side of Atlanta to Montgomery County, uh, Maryland campus. They're in Germantown. They are rocking and rolling today. And then everybody online, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we say good morning and God bless you. So here's what I want to invite you to do. Kind of one big family, one voice, one round of applause, greeting each other. Can we do that together? Come on. Just bless somebody. Come on. At another campus. Come on, go church. Here we go. It's good. And then uh, if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, uh, you know we've got this tradition and we, we do this every week where we honor the military men and women, those brave men and women, those that have served in the military, those that are active duty, and all of our first responders. Just want to take a moment and say thank you. God bless you. We're praying for you and we're better because of you. So if that's you, if you're in the military, veteran of the military, or you're a first responder at any of our campuses, I want you to put your hand up, leave it there for a moment, and I want you to go crazy. Come on, let's honor these men and women. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, a little bit better. Come on, thank you in the back. I saw it. Thank you, God bless you. Come on. Five more seconds. Come on, thank you, sir. God bless you. Good. All right, if, uh, if, you, if you listen and lean into the video announcements, you'll see that you're a part of a church that has a lot of great things going in the, in the Christmas season, the holiday season, and uh, so you need to go online or check out the app for the calendar of events. There's a lot of great things. We've got the legacy offering that started last week. It'll go through the entire month of December, so jump into legacy. We're asking for 100% participation so we can give 100% of it away. We've got Christmas Eve that's taking place. You heard a moment ago that all the free tickets for Christmas Eve gatherings uh, are been, have been given or are taken. But don't worry, we, we don't make room for you, so please come on out. Be a part of Christmas Eve here at Go Church. We've got online only on Christmas Day. We've got a great online gathering that's going to be available for you and your family while you're celebrating Christmas with your loved ones. Um, this campus on January 1 of 2023, that's crazy to say 2023, but this campus is going to three Sunday morning gatherings on January 1, A15, 945, 11:45. So you have to plan accordingly for that. And speaking of January 1, I'm in a group thread with a bunch of other pastors, and all of them, and I don't know, maybe I just got different faith than they do. Come on. But all of them are saying, nobody's coming to church on January 1. Everybody's going to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Nobody's coming to church. I'd love to prove them wrong. Come on now. I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to manipulate you into being in the church. Stay up late, old anxiety, whatever you got to do. But let's get to church on a new year. What better way to start off a new year than to be in the presence of God, kick off that new year, bring your family, bring your mom and them. Come on. Bring your mother-in-law. Lord bless her. Bring them all, okay? Let's get in church on New Year's Day. And speaking of New Year's Day, it's the most important thing that we do as a church family. 21 days, we call it Deeper 21, 21 days practicing the disciplines of prayer and fasting. We'll give you more information in the video announcements and online in the days and weeks to come. Every single day during the 21 days, we're going to come together for one hour of prayer, worship, and devotion. And, and then, of course, for all 21 days, we're going to practice the discipline of fasting. 
I know your schedules are busy, and this in-person, one-hour time of prayer may not work for everybody, but maybe you can make Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or maybe you have to pray at home, but know that you're praying with your church family. I'm inviting you and challenging you in this new year to take the first 21 days of the year. Let's commit them to the Lord. And this is what I believe, that the seeds of prayer and the seeds of fasting that you're sowing during the first 21 days of 2023, we're going to see miracles all year long. Can I get somebody with great faith to say amen to that? So let's jump in together. Let's go deeper in 2023. It's going to be a powerful three weeks, and I hope that you're a part of it. And then today we're kicking off a kind of a mini-series. I'll, I'll give you the idea behind a thrill of hope today and then next Sunday, and this will be our theme for Christmas Eve as well. I'll talk to you about a thrill of hope. So let's jump into the Word together. If you want to take some notes, I encourage you to do that. Some of you bring a journal. For those of you that are looking for a place to take notes, there's a message note card, a blank sermon note card in a seat near you. Go ahead and access that. I want you to write down some thoughts. Uh, kind of a simple message today, but profound. Uh, I pray that it's uh, electric for you. It fills you with hope and encouragement. And you leave here with a, a greater level of faith in your life than when you walked in. All right? That's my prayer. So. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. Let's take 10 seconds. Allow the Holy Spirit to just uh, kind of realign our thoughts and our focus. Let him be the center of attention. After the 10 seconds, I'll offer just a prayer, and then we'll jump into this message together. I come to you today just incredibly, incredibly humble and grateful with the privilege and the joy that it is to pastor, go church, and your children, these beautiful people. I never take that responsibility lightly, nor do I take the responsibility of preaching the gospel lightly. Always try to permeate these messages with prayer and with study and obviously with scripture and and I'm asking you that in this conversation today, that the cross of Jesus would go before me. I want you to be seen. I want you to be heard. I thank you that you have the ability and the supernatural power to speak to the hearts of individuals in the way that you need to speak to them. So give us the ears to hear. Come on, give us the ears to hear. Give us the eyes to see what you need to say and what you're doing. And I pray, God, that you would just use me today that you would anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, it's not my heart to be a famous pastor or to uh, be, you know, Instagram famous. It's not my heart to have some great, cool church brand that people know about. It is my heart to make you famous. It's my heart, Jesus, that you get the glory and that you get the honor. We'll steward well the people that you send and the resources that you give. But, Lord, everything we do is about you all about you. And so, God, we give you thanks because you're faithful. We honor you in this moment. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. You've clapped a lot for a lot of different reasons and all of them good, but none better than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on. Oh, come on. If you got five seconds in you, come on. If God's been faithful to you, if he's been good to you, come on, church. Woo. All right, we're talking about a thrill of hope, and, and today, specifically, we're going to talk about who hope is, and ultimately, that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus, and we sang uh, that particular worship song at all three of our campuses a moment ago, 
uh, by my request, asking them to lead us into this conversation today. And I do want to share with you the reality and the, uh, the, the faith belief that hope really does have a name, and his name is Jesus. And here's what I know. Sometimes it's hard to see or understand about the possibility of hope when we live in this world that's broken. Man, we live in a world that's full of division. We live in a world that's full of pain. We live in a world that's full of suffering. And it's not even the world. Sometimes it's our own world. In our own world, we have troubles and difficulties and trials and, and storms. Anybody ever gone through a storm? Come on, let's just put your hand up to that. Like Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. If that verse stopped right there, that would be kind of a disappointment and create a lot of anxiety. But the verse doesn't stop there. He attaches a promise to the reality of in the world we'll have storms and troubles and difficulties. He says, but you can take heart, meaning you can have hope, because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And so whatever you've walked into a campus with today, whether that's grief or pain or suffering or challenges or storm, maybe it's financial, you've got some financial issues, maybe it's physical Maybe it's relational. Maybe some marriages are going through some, uh, some challenges in this particular season. I just want to encourage you that there is hope, and hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Come on, can you say amen? I know it's early in the message, but that's a great place to respond and say amen to. Other people, though, they look for hope in the wrong places. They think that hope can be found in what the world offers. So they chase after hope and, and success or they chase after hope and, and fame or fortune, money, power, popularity, prestige. Some people chase after hope in a relationship or they're looking for a platform. Or Some people even are looking for hope in gov government. Good, good luck with that. Come on now. <laughs> well, some people are looking for hope, hope in the wrong places. And so some believe that there is no possibility of hope because of the reality of what they see in the natural. And some people believe that there is hope, but it can only be found in the things of this world. And let me just say this to you. I'm kind of diving into my thought process and my notes. But everything that the world offers you is counterfeit hope. It's counterfeit to the real thing. Those that are looking for hope for whatever it is that you're walking through, that real hope can only be found in one place and in one person. And that is in Jesus. So you can only find real hope. Now, there will be temporary hope, counterfeit hope, fake hope, and other, in other places. But real hope. Hope that we find in Scripture, hope that we find e when it comes to eternal hope that never ends, can only be found in one place and in one person, and that is in Jesus. And that's why we sing what we sing, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And can I tell you that Jesus is just as close as the very mention of his name. Now, I don't want to over-exaggerate what I'm about to tell you, because I've been praying for you, and I've been praying in preparation of this message. I don't want to over-exaggerate that to try to build me up as some, you know, spiritual giant, but I have been praying for you. For those of you that I know well, and we've got some type of relationship here because of the church, for those of you that I've met recently, or for those of you that are brand new and I've never even met, we've, we've, prayed, we've prayed for all of you as well, leading up to your arrival in preparation of you being here. And I've been praying for you, knowing that we would have this conversation around hope, and this has been my prayer. It's been Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and I'm going to read it to you, and and then I'm going to have you read it kind of in a personal way. But I just want to tell you this, that as you, as you dive into praying, the spiritual discipline of praying, and I'm going to pray Romans 15, 13 over you, but I want to make this statement. The most powerful prayer that you can ever pray is when you pray the Bible. When you pray the scripture, 
So in God's promises, which is the word, you can take hold of them and pray the Bible, pray the scripture, stand on God's word for your life. And that's what Romans 15, 13 is. It's a beautiful promise, and it is my prayer for you. May the God of hope, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're experiencing right now today, may the God of hope fill you with joy and give you peace. As you learn to trust in him, trusting in the Lord can be hard at times, can it? It's my prayer for you, though, that hope just fills you up. Joy just fills you up. Peace just fills you up. They, they sing the song at Christmas time like it's the most wonderful time of the year. Not true for everybody. Suicide is through the roof during the holiday season. Why? Because people lack hope, joy, and peace. So this is the prayer right here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Now, that, that's, that's an almost impossible thought process for some of you because you walked in and there isn't even an ounce of hope in your cup. But you serve a God that's able to not only fill your cup up with hope, but he's the God of the overflow. Like you can leave here today flowing over, spilling over with hope. That's contagious on everybody. I feel like preaching right now. Come on now. That when the rest of the world sees the very storm that you're walking through, and yet in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the drama, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the depression, you've got hope. You got joy. You've got peace. And the rest of the world is like, how you got that? Well, God filled me up until I overflow. That's the prayer, is that you overflow with hope. And that can only be done, watch, not by your own power, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you learn to trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. I want everybody to read this together aloud on three, and I really want you, to, I want you to, to say it and pray it like you want it. Are you ready? One, two, three. May the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do it one more time. You ready? One, two, three. May the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in him so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Do you receive that today? Come on, receive it with great faith. And listen, this is what Christmas is all about right here. Christmas is all about hope. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. They, they laid him in a manger. He grew up. Without sin, he took our place on the cross at Calvary. And when Jesus came into this world, when God sent his only begotten son to this world, listen, you know what showed up? Salvation showed up. Joy showed up. Peace showed up. Hope showed up. And if Jesus being laid in a manger, born in a barn, can encourage us with anything, it can encourage us with this. That there is no person too dirty and there is no place too low for the hope of Jesus to touch. Come on. Jesus can show up in the darkest moments and the broken moments and the most disgusting moments and, and, and the most de depressed filled moments and the most grief 
grief-filled moments, it's almost like God works best in our mess. And it's in those moments that hope shows up. So if the birth of Jesus in a nasty barn can encourage you with anything, it's that in your loneliest, darkest, dirtiest moments, hope, hope is there. Jesus came. When he came, he came to do a few things. Let me give them to you. Number one, he came to redefine hope. He came to redefine hope. Webster's Dictionary defines hope as follows. A desire for something to happen. It's one of the definitions Webster gives. Hope, a desire for something to happen. And a lot of times we express that type of hope. And typically that kind of hope is around something good. Like we want something good to happen. So we desire for something good to happen. Sometimes I hope for bad things to happen. Like I want Ohio State football to lose to the Georgia Bulldogs at the Peach Bowl. Are you with me? Come on. Like, so I want it good to be for the dogs, bad for the Buckeyes. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? You felt that, didn't you? But earthly hope and Webster's definition of hope is not the same as biblical hope and the definition that the Bible gives about hope. The Bible teaches us that hope is not just desiring for something to happen, it's expecting it to happen. It's believing with faith, watch this, and help your pastor preach that if God said it, then it shall be done. If it's in God's word, then he is not a man that he should lie. God cannot go against his word. God cannot change his word. And so because God cannot change, likewise, his promises are unchangeable. And from the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation, there are over 3,000 hope-filled promises in your Bible. And if you are in right fellowship with Jesus, you can possess every single one of them with this great hope of expectation that if God said it, then it's going to happen. Does that make sense? He came to redefine hope, not just desiring for that thing to take place, but if it's in the word of God, then I can hold on to it with great faith because God is a man of his word. Let me give you a beautiful verse here, and this is a, a clear definition of like hope having a name. and It's a beautiful description of who Jesus is and the names of the Lord. And the Bible reads as follows. We use this a lot at Christmas time, but... Let me just say this to you as well. Hope, in Isaiah 9, 6, it's not just a promise at Christmas. Hope is available 24-7, 365. Salvation is available the moment that you decide to make Jesus Christ your Lord. So whether it's Christmas, New Year, St. Patty's Day, come on somebody, 4th of July. If you want hope and you want salvation, Know that Jesus came to redefine that for your life. And here's what the Bible says. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Ready? I want you to read the highlighted yellow words with me for a little participation. One, two, three. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I've told you this story before at, at different messages at Christmas, and so forgive me for repeating myself, but they do say the older you get, the more you repeat yourself. So, I mean, here we go. This is what north of 40 looks like. Just tell the same stories over and over and over. And you're old enough, you don't remember them anyway. Come on, somebody disagree with that, right? A couple of years ago, our family, and we do this every year, it's a part of our Christmas tradition where we will do an Advent devotion together. 
And so the Advent devotion happens every night around bedtime, and, and there's a, a, a challenge of a Bible verse for memorization. There's questions that we ask and then answer out of the Bible verse that we're trying to memorize. And then there's what we call a merry moment, something fun for the family to do, you know, uh, just kind of to kind of close out the Advent devotion. So a couple of years ago in this particular Advent devotion, it was required by way of the devotion to memorize Isaiah 9-6. And man, my kids got it. Like they locked it in quick. And it's amazing how children just, they're sponges. They just remember everything. Like some of us that are getting older, like it really is hard for us to like remember things and, and like how to use things. That's why some of us, we go to like the younger generation to help us like work our cell phones. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's you. You're like, now, where, where do I find that app? Where do I find the app? And they're like, Grandma, your light's on. Turn your light off. <laughs> they tell you every week, hey, we want this to be a distraction-free environment. Silence your cell phone. You're like, I would, but I don't know how. I ain't, I ain't got no idea. I don't know how to do that. But kids, man, they learn so quick. And so Lakeland and London, man, they locked in Isaiah 9-6 fast. But the way that London memorized it was not only cute, but it just presented Christ and the Lord in such a new way. She said, he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, the never blasting father. <laughs> and we laughed so much that I cried, Lord, the never blasting father. And then I thought, actually, I'm really glad that he is a never blasting father. <laughs> How many of us deserve to be blasted before? And I'm just thankful he withheld his blasting from us, you know. But he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace. Let me break this down just for a moment. He is wonderful. He is the most wonderful thing that you could ever experience in your earthly life. He's undisputed, unmatched. There's no one like him. His wonder goes beyond all of your desire, all of your imagination. He is wonderful, but he's also your counselor. He is your guide. This is the hope that we have in him is that he's our guide to kind of help us walk through life and the struggles of life and the pains of life and the difficulties of life. But he is also a mighty God. Let me say it to you like this. And if you've been here for a while, you know I've got these little like isms that I use. But so I'll say bad grammar, good preaching. So here's the bad grammar. But boy, it preaches well. There ain't no God like your God. He's an uppercase G God in a world full of lowercase G's. G gods. He's the OG, the original God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is so mighty that his kingdom can never be diminished. There's no God like your God. And he is an everlasting father. And a lot of times, here's what we see. We see people and they will view their relationship or lack thereof with God the Father based off of their relationship or lack thereof with their earthly father. That's not everybody in this room, but many of you, you didn't have a great dad. You didn't have a good dad. Maybe you didn't have a dad at all in your life. And you think, well, that's how this, this father has to be. And I'm not, I'm not putting your earthly father down. I'm just lifting up your everlasting father. Your everlasting father will never leave you. Your everlasting father will never walk out on you. Your everlasting father will never abuse you in any such way. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Your everlasting father, somebody needs to hear this. He loves you. He loves you. And his love is unconditional. What can separate you from the love of God? Romans 8, nothing. 
Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. And let me tell you, he loves you so much that he will accept you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. He's an everlasting father. And watch this. And he is the prince of all peace. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Shalom. It means completeness, fullness, safety, refuge. And can I tell you, listen to me. There is a shalom for every situation of your life. There is a peace for every problem that you encounter. He is wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the never blasting father. Come on, somebody. And he is your prince of peace. Come on, can we say thanks be to God? Woo, Jesus came, born of a virgin, laid in that manger to redefine hope for us. And let me tell you, here's some more good news about, about hope and how hope has a name. The hope that Jesus offers, it'll never end. I try to get to church early on Sundays, and uh, some of the team gets here early as well to let me in this room to, just to kind of pray and then walk through my message. And so I preach this message with nobody in here, so that when I get up in front of you, I can be used by the Holy Spirit, and I don't sound like an idiot. Come on, somebody. Just, some of you are like, well, maybe you should get here a little earlier. But, <laughs> And I don't know, I was walking through this message this morning, and, and the Lord reminded me of this story. It hasn't been in my notes all week as I've been praying and preparing, but I'm going to tell you this story, and I hope that it connects with this reality that, again, the, the hope that the world offers is just, it's counterfeit, it's temporary. But if you want real hope, everlasting hope, that can only be found in a relationship with Christ. Kimberly and I were going to a Christmas birthday party uh, earlier this week, and we were driving with some friends uh, about an hour to the party. And they were telling us a story about someone that's in their family that is off to college in their first semester. Young girl, beautiful girl, she's a freshman now in college, and prior to getting to college, and again, I mean, just kind of hear the story, but went to church, never drank, never smoked, never slept with anyone. She was a virgin. Thank God for those that are pursuing purity. Come on. We ought to applaud that. I not downplay that. Living her life for the Lord, and she gets to college, and there was a situation. She had to call her dad. Her dad has been in her life and then out of her life, in her life and then out of her life, and at one point, the dad asked for there to be a paternity test because he said, I don't think that you're really mine. And then he'd come and then he'd go and then he'd come and then he'd go. And anyway, there was an issue with her car and she's in college. And so she calls her dad and she says, hey, my car's broken down. I just, I don't ask for much, but I just need some help. And, and the dad just lost it. And I mean, he, he let her have it any way that she could. And the phone call ended with, you know, uh, you're a spoiled brat. And he hung up the phone. Well, she just fell on the floor, and she's hysterical. And her, her college roommate, who she didn't know prior to getting to the university, walks up to her and says, you okay? What's going on? She tells a story. And, and the roommate says, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I do when I'm dealing with situations like that. And she pulled out some liquor, and she pulled out some pills. She said, I, I say we drink it all away. We party it all away. So for the first time ever, this girl tries alcohol, and I don't know all the details of the story, but maybe some other substances, and she gets wasted. 
The next day, she calls her family member. And this is the part of the story that when they were telling it just it just got me. She says, I feel bad. My heart is broken because I know what I did was wrong. And then she said this, and don't miss it. She said, but for a moment, the pain was gone. For a moment, the suffering was gone. And I don't know who that story is for, but I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing in front of you, that what the enemy will offer you to cope with the struggles and the burdens and the pains of life. Listen to me. Look at me. They're only momentary. They only last for a moment. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now. But what the Lord offers you, it doesn't last for a moment. It's his hope that will bring you over every mountain and through every valley. It's the hope of the Lord that brought the psalmist David. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So listen to me. At the bottom of the bottle is still brokenness and despair. At the bottom of the addiction is still pain and hurt. Woo! But at the bottom of the Bible, come on somebody, is hope everlasting where you can stand on the word of God and understand that even though in this world I've got pain and trouble and difficulty, Jesus is always with me. Come on, can you say amen to that? This hope doesn't end. His hope doesn't end. I'll move on, but not until the Holy Spirit says go. Some of you have been looking for a way to cope because of all the stuff. And listen to me. You've tried everything that the world can offer you. What if you just said, give me Jesus? I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my life. Being in a relationship with Jesus doesn't make life easy. It just means we never have to go through whatever it, it is alone. His hope has no end. It's what Isaiah 9, 7 says. Look at the front half. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There will be no end. Let me tell you about this. The government of God is an eternal government. It's an eternal kingdom. It's not an earthly kingdom. So if in God's government, he offers you salvation, peace, and hope, that doesn't come from Washington, D.C. This isn't a democracy. We don't take a vote on, all right, let's vote for hope. It's yours. It's not a bill that we have to pass. Does that make sense? And watch this. And there is a cancel culture that is coming against Christ and his church and his word to diminish the validity of the absolute truth of the Bible. But listen to me. One day, they'll, they won't even be able to deny it. You can't destroy it because it's not an earthly government. It's an eternal kingdom. They can't demolish it. They can't diminish it. They can't destroy it. And watch this. And one day, they won't be able to deny it. Philippians says it this way. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and he gave him. Oh, hallelujah. Gave him the name that is above all names. And that the very name of Jesus, 
Watch this. Every knee is going to bow. Come on. In heaven and on earth and even under the earth. One day every devil, every demon will bow at the mighty matchless name of Jesus. And one day every nation, every tribe, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you, do you see this with me today? Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And he came to redefine hope for you and to encourage you that his hope has no end. But watch this. Lean in for a second. This hope has a catch. Let me ask you a question. Look at your pastor real quick. Are you reading the fine print? There's a catch. Now it's a simple catch. Are you saying that there's a catch to Christianity? Yeah. There is. Here it is. Acts 4.12. Write this down. Watch. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the only way that you get this hope, the only way you get this peace, the only way you get this joy is to have relationship with Jesus, to admit that you're a sinner, to acknowledge that he is who he says he is, to believe in your heart, right, to believe in your heart that, that God sent his son Jesus, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and up from the grave Jesus arose. Today he's ascended into heaven, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you. To confess your sin and to commit your life to Christ. To invite Jesus on the throne of your heart. And watch this. This salvation, it only comes through Jesus. No other way. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You, heard, you hear me preach this often whenever I talk about salvation. Because you need to know that the only way you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You, there, there'll be, I hear people all the time. Well, you know what? He's a good person. She's a good person. First of all, none of us are good. Look at somebody say, man, if he's ever talked about you, he's talking about you right now. None of us. None of us are good. But listen, even bad grammar, good preaching, even the goodest. If they don't have Jesus in their heart, they're not getting into heaven. Just because you are good or you do good or you try to be good... That doesn't make you saved. Serving your church doesn't make you saved. Giving in the legacy offering doesn't make you saved. Just because your mama was saved doesn't make you saved. Just because your grandmother was saved doesn't make you saved. Just because your daddy was a deacon doesn't make you saved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Only, only is found, salvation is only found in a relationship with Jesus. Well, I grew up in a particular denomination. And? Well, what does that mean? Well, I grew up Baptist. Well, I grew up Methodist. I don't know if Methodists are going to heaven. That's a joke. Laugh just a little bit. Have a little fun in church, man. When you get to heaven, well, is your name in the book? Well, I went to go church. And? You went just to check off a religious obligation? But did you accept my grace? So you can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't buy it, you don't deserve it. But God gives it freely. Ephesians 2, 8, watch. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Here's the question, watch this. 
do you believe? Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. So do you believe that there is a Lord that is above all and all-powerful and all-knowing? He's omniscient and omnipresent and he's a good God and he loves you and he's got your best interest in mind. Even when life is hard and even when life is difficult, do you believe that Jesus is never going to leave you? Never walk out or... Will you go the counterfeit route and just try everything that the world has? It's, it's a crossroad. Now, there's a catch, but the catch is really, really simple because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord gets hope, gets grace, gets mercy, it's new life. And again, he'll accept you as you are, but then you begin this process of sanctification, this chiseling away of the old man. And he works in you and through you. And I'll tell people this all the time. I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be either. Let me get 100 people to testify to that. I got a long, I got a long way to go, but you ain't seen how far I've come. And in a moment, just calling out, on the name of Jesus, because hope has a name, and salvation is mine. Write this final thought down, and I'll share something with you, and then we'll close. Jesus was hope before you ever had a problem, and Jesus will be hope during every one of your problems. And guess what? Jesus will be hope even after the problems, because he was hope in the beginning, and he's hope in the now. Kimberly and I, our family, we love Christmas so much. And we love the, the traditions, the songs, the Christmas. We love it so much. We start in like September. Come on, somebody. Christmas trees going up. I'm like, it's the 4th of July. She's like, Merry Christmas in July. <laughs> I love the food. Come on. All the parties and the desserts. And I don't even want to go to the dentist because I've had more little Debbie Christmas tree cakes Yesterday, I said, you know, I'm going to make a little, listen to me. I made a Little Debbie Christmas tree cake fun dip. And I called it Little Diabetes for Christmas. Come on. <laughs> Man, it was just fantastic. We love to get up early on Christmas and I'll get my cup of coffee. I sit, there's a particular cushion where my rear end has made its home. Come on, somebody. I sit right there. The kids open up their gifts. And I do two things. I take pictures and I pick up the trash because I've got a little obsessive compulsive, and I don't know why you just throw trash on the ground when there's like trash bags and trash cans, but my counselor's working on me. Come on, somebody, but I pick up the trash. And we love going and doing and shopping, and man, we love Amazon. Amen. One of us really loves Amazon. <laughs> Kimberly's made right outside of our door, she's made a little uh, treat basket for all the Amazon drivers. So when they drop things off, they can take a treat. And it's really sweet. It says, you've been working really hard. You know, here's a sweet treat from the Whirlies. Merry Christmas. And, uh, and, and in there are like all kinds of snacks, granola snacks and little, little Debbie Christmas tree cakes and like a bunch of stuff. And so the other day, uh, this delivery couple showed up. It looked like to be a mom and, and a daughter. And, you know, we've got a doorbell camera, so we get to see the interaction all the time. And the mom was like, I can't believe that they left us, you know, little treats. And the daughter goes, what are granola bars? 
And, uh, and we, I should have played it. So where's your note? And so then I see them, they pick up like six or seven things. Like it's like Kroger. And, uh, and so she's like, come on, let's get out of here. And so they turn around, walk off. And then the teenage daughter turns around. She's like, picks up like eight more, looks in the camera. Merry Christmas. And what is it? I bless you in Jesus' name. We love all of it. I love it all. I love last-minute Christmas shopping. It's my gift. Christmas Eve, baby, I'm coming through for you. That's what I do. But Christmas is so much more. Christmas is hope for your hurting heart. Christmas is hope for your broken marriage. Christmas is hope for your lost children, for your lost grandchildren. Hope has a name. Christmas provides hope for your money, provides hope for your failing body. How many of you need a miracle? Let me see your hand. Come on. In Jesus' name, right now, hope, hope. He's hope for cancer. He's hope for Alzheimer's. He's hope for depression. He's hope for anxiety. He's hope for panic attacks. He's hope. And remember what I said. Jesus was hope before the problem. He'll be the hope during the problem. And he'll be the hope after the problem. Because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Nobody leave. Let me share this with you. And I wish that I was intelligent enough to memorize this. But I'm not going to try to impress you and fail. But the Holy Ghost reminded me of this earlier this week. And I want to share it for you. From the beginning of the word to the end of the word, hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. In Genesis, he is the word of God creating the heavens and the earth. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is our city of refuge. In Joshua, he is the conquering warrior leading us to the promised land. In Judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our forever reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of every single thing that has been broken and destroyed. In Esther, he is our advocate, risking his life to restore us to royalty. In Job, he is our living redeemer. In Psalms, he is the one who sees every tear and he hears every cry. In Proverbs, he is our mean, or I'm sorry, he is wisdom personified in Ecclesiastes our meaning for life in the song of Solomon he is the beautiful bridegroom in Isaiah he is wonderful counselor mighty God the never blasting father and the prince of peace come on church watch this in Jeremiah and Lamentations he is the weeping prophet in Ezekiel he is the river of life bringing healing to the nations in Daniel He's the fourth man in the fire. Come on. This will go better if you'll help me preach the Bible here. Come on. I said in Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. 
In Hosea, he is the ever faithful husband pursuing the ever unfaithful bride. In Joel, he's the restorer of everything the locusts have eaten. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is our savior. In Jonah, he is the prophet cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. And Micah, he's the everlasting ruler born to us this day in Bethlehem. And Nahum, he is the ultimate avenger. Oh, I feel that one. Come on, church. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman that is praying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord strong and mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer of our lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he is the son of Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the way maker, the miracle worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the very door which we all must enter through. In Acts, he is Christ, the risen Lord, proclaiming salvation to the nations. In Romans, he is our great justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is our sin bearer. In Galatians, he redeems us from the law. In Ephesians, he's our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is our supplier of every single need. Oh, I feel that one too. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In 1st and 2nd Timothy, he's the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our hope. In Philemon, he's the God of all grace. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the Lord that heals all of our disease. In First and Second Peter, he is our shepherd. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our advocate, pleading his righteousness in our place. In Jude, he is our savior. And in Revelation, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The beginning and the end. He is the foundation of the world. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. Hope has a name. And its name is Jesus. Come on, every hand lifted high. Come on. Oh, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Come on, lift your hands all around this room. May you overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, to God be the glory. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Give us hope in the midst of darkness. Give us hope in the midst of brokenness. Give us hope in the midst of pain. You were Jesus before the problem. You'll be Jesus after the problem. You were hope before the problem. You'll be hope after the problem. You are Jesus. And there is none like you. None like you in all the earth. Rabashatarararabasata. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. I honor you, Jesus. Just overflow. Come on, just overflow. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on. Don't miss this Christmas season on things that aren't near as important as receiving hope, the gift of hope.
And that's Jesus. Come on. There's a lot of different angles you could go to close this message. Nobody looking. Just me and just me to you and you to the Lord. But if you say, Pastor JC, man, I just I feel empty. I feel dry. I feel lost. I feel broken. I came to church today and I just told the Lord in the car, like, you got to show up. I need you to speak to me. I pray that he has. And today you've got an opportunity to give your heart to God, to let Jesus sit on the throne of your heart, invite him in right in the middle of it, and let him fill you with hope until you overflow. On the count of three, if that's you, hands up. One, two, three. Come on, hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep them up for a moment. Keep them up for a moment. Lord, hands all over this room. West side as well. Germantown also. Come on. Hands up, hands up. Oh, to God be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we give you this moment. We invite you to give us this hope. I want every person to pray this prayer. Father God, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I'm inviting you to do a great work in me. I don't want to be my own Lord any longer. I want you to be Lord. So I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I'm asking for your hope. Take my story and let me use it to tell others about the same hope that I now experience. So I give you my life and I commit it to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole church said amen, rejoicing over the dozens of people. Come on, that said yes to Jesus.